Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story. And as you know, we love to amplify the voices of women whose stories are moving and meaningful and compelling. Today's guest is Minakshi Ayer. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you on. I can't wait. I've been um, waiting for this moment for a long time. I know we chatted for a while and I've been eager to get to know you better. Thank you so much, Susan. Thank you so much for having me on your on your podcast. And I'm really thrilled to be here with you today. You bet. You bet. I know we had a brief chat and I try not to get my uh, to know too much about my guests in advance <laughs> of the show, uh, but I couldn't help but fall in great like with you the first chat that we had. So let's get to know you better. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Certainly. Um, I consider myself an intellectually curious lifelong learner. And, uh, you know, whenever people, uh, whenever there is opportunity to introduce yourself, I've noticed that we tend to focus on what we do in our careers or in our professional lives. And over the years, I've, I've learned to look at it, look at myself more holistically than just my job or my professional role. And in, in reflecting upon that, this is what I landed with. So I've, you know, I love learning and um, I'm interdisciplinary. So I look at myself as an intellectually curious lifelong learner and I'm T-shaped in the sense that uh, because of my many interests, um, I also spend time in understanding uh, more about whatever it is that I'm working on. So I'm a T-shaped servant leader um, and a lean, agile, and human-centered design practitioner. And in my current avatar, I'm a solopreneur, uh, founder and principal of Northstar Solutions and Services. Um, and, um, and my primary role there is that of a personal agility, self-leadership, and collaborative leadership skills coach. Nice. Let me jump in there for a second, because what I love yeah. about your opening is you pointed out your purpose-driven self, like not what you do, but who you are, you know, mm. your passions. I think that's so important. And you hit upon a point that I note often because I do so many podcasts. Yeah. Uh, my guests often start with what they do for a living. And I'll say, well, really, is that who you are? Um, so really great point there. Thank you for opening with a unique and, and uh, you know, focused on holistically who you are, what moves you, right? So mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. So carry on. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I'm uh, born and raised in India. I moved here uh, 13 years ago. Tomorrow will be exactly 13 years since I moved here. I came here as a trailing spouse. Um, and, you know, so I had to restart my career from scratch. And, uh, you know, I, I do want to hit upon that a little bit later. But uh, and that also constitutes a large part of me being interdisciplinary. So my career has been absolutely non-linear. Um, I've worked in different industries ranging from um, IT, IT services, um, English as a second language teaching. I did a lot of that about close to four or five years of that right before I moved to the US. Um, and my career started off in healthcare back in India. I worked in the nonprofit sector um, and one of the very cool things that I did was um, um, I was trained in eye banking and we, the hospital I used to work for ran the region's only eye bank. This was back in the day. And um, 
and when I after I moved to the U.S., my career somehow and started off in healthcare as well. So it kind of came full circle. Um, and I worked in different roles up and down all levels of hierarchy. And um, I find myself operating at my best at the intersection of people, process, and technology. Oh, and- say that again. <laughs> <laughs> I said that I love operating and I think that I operate at my best at the intersection of people, process and technology. I love that. I love that. Isn't that that's sort of the apex for everyone? The goal that you're that you're not siloed in any one of those places, but that when you can bring those things together, it's it's sort of the the perfect culmination. Absolutely. And, you know, that's how my interests have been. I think it's my entire experience, my lived experience, both um, uh, in my personal life and in my professional life have a lot to do with how it's shaped up. And, uh, you know, more than 22 years of corporate life. And then August of 2019, uh, I decided to pivot away from that uh, because I realized that uh, I needed to have a level of autonomy and flexibility so that I could put my energy towards creating more impact and value rather than just keeping a job. And I literally found myself being a, being like a hamster in a wheel. And um, that's how, uh, that's how Northstar Solutions and Services was born as a solopreneurship venture. Uh, So it's, for me, it's just a way in which I can still contribute actively to my ecosystem, but then have the autonomy and the flexibility to choose how I invest my energy. And that's been very, it's been a rewarding experience the last almost a year and a half now. And uh, uh, so, you know, I'm based in Ashburn, Virginia, uh, a, a few miles west of DC. And uh, the, 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 what I had in mind when I started North Star was I, I wanted to, it to be a virtual business. And it was, this was way before COVID. So for me, that was one less thing to worry about. Uh, so North Star, is, North Star Solutions and Services is 100% virtual. Uh, it's a boutique, a future of work oriented practice uh, that, and I, and I offer coaching, training and consulting services through that. And um, Susan, my goal is really to partner with mid-career IT and agile professionals. I've I've spent most of my career in technology, technology implementation, and um, um, I've spent a lot of time working with technology professionals. And and with my background in HR training and English as a second language teaching, it kind of, you know, I started noticing uh, that the core people skills are what really makes or breaks careers and it doesn't matter and that's yeah, yeah right so I think that uh, hard skills will take you so far but at any point at everyone I think at some point in time in their careers end up leading people one way or another and and to me leadership and I talk a lot and I I do a lot of work in the space of self-leadership because um, that's how I think it's also a reflection of my own career you know I've uh, I've always been in uh, leadership roles without the title and without a team 
you know, so you know me, how many women have that uh, have, you know, can say that that we, we do the work, but don't get the credit, right? That and also I think that uh, for me, it was also the roles that I ended up being in. Um, I would always find something uh, of value to 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 offer to that ecosystem. And to me, it didn't matter whether I was in a, you know, titular leadership role, you know, so a lot, a lot of what I did was uh, roles that were not done before, uh, things that were new. And I was in that position where I could execute it. And so I just took it. Uh, but to your point, yes, um, uh, there have been times in my career where um, getting that recognition has been has been challenging. And I've had those experiences as well. So, uh, you know, um, and I found in my experience that the mid-career segment is is perhaps the least supported from within organizations from the Agreed. learning and development, right? Yes, yes. So, and, and you know, the, there comes a point when everybody's technical, and I'm talking specifically around the uh, IT and agile professionals, there comes a point when their technical skills get them promoted and then suddenly there's this shift, right? Uh, so far they'd been responsible for their own success and that's what was important. And that's how, how they were measured. And then suddenly they find themselves promoted to these team leads, managers, uh, manager type roles where now they have a team, they're responsible for others and they're measured by against how successful their teams are. And nobody really prepares them for that, uh, in my experience at least. And so you end up having unhappy teams, uh, challenges around work, lots of rework, and those costs are really never taken into account. And I've, I've had many opportunities in my career to see that up close. And um, so those are, the, those are the reasons why I really, when I decided to start off with North Star, that's, what I, that's the population I wanted to focus on. And the other thing I've noticed, Susan, is that um, I've been on both sides of this software outsourcing model, the offshore onsite model, if you will. I've worked for IT companies in India when, when all of our clients were from North America and Europe. And now after moving to the States, I've been, I worked for companies where we had that set up and I'm the one uh, facing the clients. And my uh, large parts of my team are based in India and they're the ones doing all of the work. And so I was able to kind of get a you know, ringside view of both sides of the fence. And I started looking at how national identities and your uh, uh, national cultures start playing a role in how you show up at work. And, and this whole thing around showing up as your whole self at work, uh, I've, to me, it's a, it's a real thing uh, because the workplace behaviors really are rooted in, in every individual's uh, lived experience, how, what their values are, how, they are, how they've been raised, what their experiences have been earlier on in life. And I saw that re being reflected in my own experience, you know? So uh, for example, uh, if I were to work with folks, if you were to meet someone from India in a professional world uh, who's worked with me, uh, they will tell you that I'm, I'm not typical of how an Indian female professional would be. Uh, and it's true here as well in the US. So I found myself 
<laughs> literally translating English to English between my two counterparts. Yeah. Um, you know, and and then this is this is a fact of life in the particularly in the technology space, and you know, in any any environments where there are global teams, and so the, this is where you know this is how it it all started for me. So it's been I think when I now when I look back as I'm speaking to you as I reflect, uh, this has been kind of brewing and percolating for many years, and then it finally took this shape um, through my. Uh, personal coaching training and uh, consulting practice. So I, I focus on the mid-career segment for individuals and also small and medium enterprises, uh, because I think that's where I can, with my experience, I can create the most impact. Um, so I wanna help folks build and strengthen their, what I call as the future of work skills and behaviors, uh, primarily around agile and collaborative, agile collaborative and inclusive ways of working, uh, and now remote leadership now more than ever, and um, how to have a have a very impactful and strategic uh, change communication. Uh, so for I did not I did not want to interrupt you, but my jaw is hitting the ground because I own another company, and I know you don't know much about it because I never talk about it when I'm focused on the the um, guest on my podcast. Mm -hmm. But after this show, we have so much to talk about. Um, I work with, you know, natural language processing using AI to measure uh, through quantitative data analytics inclusivity. Ah. And everything you just said, I mean, I could see you being a big part of the faculty there. It's a, it's not a uh, full time position. It's a you know I have PhDs, engineers, you know, mm. JDs, various people on faculty who contribute their highest and best selves. Uh, to our clients, you know, and what you just said is what we do with our quantitative data analytics, you do it qualitatively. So mm. um, there's just so much we need to talk about. So I'm like, wow, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, where's she been? Um, I, I should not have waited from the time we first talked to now, you know, shame on me. I usually do that on purpose so that I can get to know you on the show. And it's, you know, a genuine, wow, like this is, um, but for my own, yeah. my own professional you know, benefit, I wish I had, had known before all that you do. This is amazing. This is right up my alley and all my clients. Oh, yeah. Um, thank you. I, thank you. No, I'm so, I'm so joyed to hear that. So thank you very yes, much. Yes, I want absolutely. to introduce you to my business partners and everything um, and introduce you to the technology that we use. And there's none other in the world like it. Um, the only way you can currently measure, uh, you know, inclusion is by attrition and it's too late. Yes, you know, that's, yes. that's too bad by then. Well, tell yeah. me more. Um, I want to know, did you have a mentor or a sponsor or someone who inspired you? Uh, you know, it. Um, there's not one person. So for me, it's been a combination. And I think that it kind of went along with my entire non-linear life, <laughs> I would say. So, you know, I started off as a, student of science and I worked in healthcare, IT, and then I ended up uh, with an executive MBA at uh, Virginia Commonwealth University here in the US. Um, so along the way, I have had many people that uh, inspired me that uh, overtly came out and were mentors for me. And as I was reflecting on that, 
you know, I think one uh, person all along, I would say, would be my mom. And I, I don't know if she really, I don't know if I've ever told her that in those many words. Um, to me, you know, she's, it, it, we come from, our lives could not be more different. Yeah. And our experiences could not be more different. And I, I think for me, the, um, I don't think I could ever do what she did for me, which was that she wanted to go to college, uh, have a job and all of that. Instead, she was married off at a very young age. Um, and, you know, this was India in the 50s and 60s. And, you know, so she wasn't able to, for her education was extremely important. And she made sure that uh, my brother and I, the two kids, uh, she drilled that into us. And the, the grit, the self-discipline and her values-based leadership, I think I get all of that from her. And I didn't realize this when I was still in India and when you know I was still at home, I didn't realize this. It's been a reflective uh, learning over the past, especially over the past three, four years. And, uh, you know, I think she is, um, despite not having that for herself, she created that environment for me. And, you know, I think she is the one who made me this uh, lifelong learner that I am today. And I think that's one uh, trait of all the traits that, uh, that has helped me be successful and, and, and be where I am today the sign of a truly great parent, right? So, um, and a great Absolutely. leader, you know, the, 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 um, the best mentor leader is, is the one who um, motivates and inspires you to do as well or better than she herself has done. Absolutely. I mean, the challenges and the limitations that she had, it was a very controlled environment at home, yeah. both in her own maternal home and in her married home. And uh, she overcame all of that. And uh, she, was, she was very multicultural. She, at one point, she spoke about four or five Indian languages and English very fluently. That's and, amazing. Does, yeah. Was that self-taught or, you know, did she learn that in school or? Uh, partly school and partly uh, there was one language that she taught herself because, uh, you know, we, we used to move around a lot within India and, you know, if any you and anyone that knows anything about India it has like we have 22 odd languages yes each state has its own language so whenever we moved uh, because of my dad's job uh, we were in a totally new environment it was a totally new language so unless you part found your survival I'm sorry part of survival you yes absolutely 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 so it opens your minds in many different ways right when you speak more than one language so it's because of that experience and because of how it was at home that I speak English in the uh, English and three other Indian languages, including my own mother tongue. Amazing. And, yeah. And, you know, it's funny, like when we all are at home, each of us has a base language between us. So my brother and I, we always start. Oh, that's in great. <laughs> <laughs> that is so that's sort of the ultimate example of um, inclusivity. Yes. So we are constantly <laughs> switching. 
if you come to my house at any time you'll hear at least three languages i'll and speak your language whatever that might be <laughs> <laughs> well that's a perfect segue when you talked about your mom's challenges and setbacks um let's talk about yours did you have a challenge or setback and how did you overcome it uh i think the one that's top of mind for me, Susan, when you ask me that, is when I first moved to the U.S. Oh, I bet. Uh, yeah. Where did you first uh, move to? So we've only always lived in Virginia, which oh, is, is kind of nice. Um, I, I like I like it here. Yeah, yeah. So we used to first lived in uh, we used to live in Richmond, uh, the state capital, and now we uh, five years ago we moved uh, further up north. So we are in the northern Virginia area now. Um, so when I first moved here, I, I, I think language was not a challenge, but understanding the, the, the cultural aspects of the language uh, and what people meant, those expressions and things like that, that was, I think, the least of it. Like colloquialisms? Yes, yes. Like, for example, when somebody said, bless your heart, <laughs> it oh, could go either way. <laughs> It's so funny because my friends who are not from the South, when they say that, they mean well. But my friends who are from the South, I know what they mean. <laughs> so I had to kind of, you know, learn all that. And I'm like, okay, so, so it's like I speak English. Everybody speaks English. But are we still speaking the same language? I don't know. But yeah, the, the, the local, uh, the denotation and the connotation and the yes. colloquialisms and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can so be, it can be scary. It can be confusing. It can almost be like a foreign language, right? So yes. the embedded yes. cultural. Yeah. Um, but I think the biggest challenge. For, yeah, the biggest challenge for me was that uh, because of the type of visa I was on, I was on a spouse visa, so I couldn't do anything. I couldn't work. I couldn't go to university. I, I, and we couldn't afford it either. Like I would have had to change my visa type, apply and all of that. So we couldn't do any of that. And, and I think the worst thing for me was that I was always used to using public transportation or, or the, you know, the auto rickshaws, as we call them in India, uh, the tuk-tuks as they're known globally. Yes. Um, you know, so I've all walked, you know, so I've always used that. So I never, I never learned how to drive and where we lived had no public transportation. Right. So even if I wanted to do something, I couldn't. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and, you know, and the visa restrictions coupled with not, not being able to drive. Um, so what I did was the, the moment I got my work permit, I found the first job I could that I could walk to. <laughs> so I kind of checked all the boxes for that time. And that was, I started off as a, as a barista at a coffee shop that was close to my house and I could walk it. Um, and the interesting thing for me was that um, it allowed me to be, uh, to, um, I wouldn't say financially independent, but at least contribute financially to the household. And that was extremely important for me because, you know, I had never not worked five days out of college, I was on my first full-time job. Wow. And so this whole thing was very, so I, yeah, I'd been, I left home after I graduated and I'd been on my own ever since. And I had always supported myself uh, since then. So this was like a huge, um, 
challenge on many levels. And I know that there's this is this is a story of all immigrants, not just women, of all immigrants, depending on how they enter the country. And um, and I think the other big challenge was people not being able to pronounce my name properly. And so I shortened it uh, to make it easier for people. I thought I was being considerate by doing that. And uh, even that was a challenge. And so um, I was I was the one who was always nice about it, you know, and Let's I talk didn't realize about that. Let's talk yeah. about that because um, at the beginning of the show, folks, before we hit record, it was important to me that I honor this person by saying this person's full name and saying it properly. So you have to be courageous enough to ask. Don't just shorten it for your yep. own convenience sake, even though it's it's often because the person is afraid to, to butcher the name, right? They, mm -hmm. That they just shorten it, but that hurts the other person's feelings. It dishonors them. It's not, you know, this is their, this is who they are, right? right. So like when people, I mean, look, Susan is easy as can be, right? Anyone can say Susan, but when people call me Sue, I'm like, is Susan that difficult? <laughs> you know, Susan's not even long, you know, and Sue, frankly, Sue is a verb. It's what you do. You know? <laughs> so when I saw your name, I asked you up front yeah. before we recorded, is this how you pronounce your name? And I tried and I am proud of that. And I, I think that a lot of people don't go there and they're not courageous enough, not because, you know, sometimes they're lazy, but other times I think it's just, they don't want to embarrass you or themselves by making a mistake, but they need to be courageous. They need to go there and they need to just ask. I mean, honor that person by asking, how do I correctly pronounce your name? Because that is who you are, right? I could not agree with you more, Susan. I could not agree with you more. Um, so I offered, there were there were like a couple of friends back in India who used to call me Minu. And uh, so I used that uh, for, the, for the longest time after I moved to the US. And even on LinkedIn, I would have, it would say Meenakshi and within parentheses, I would have Minu and my last name, Ayer. Um, even that became, difficult for people to say and I'm like okay I can't I don't think I can do anything further than this yeah um, it's not and, difficult it's just different right so exactly I always say I'm not different from you I'm different like you we're all different <laughs> yeah that's a that's a great call out actually I'm, I'm going to steal that line from you <laughs> I stole it from let me tell you who I stole it from and she's a beautiful wonderful very close soul sister of mine and her name was a challenge for me in the beginning, but her name is Kalila, Kalila uh -huh. and it's spelled K-H-A-L-I-L-A-H. -L -L so Kalila Lyons. And I saw that in her signature line on her email and I said, oh my, that's mine now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she gave me permission and she said, to be honest, I don't know from whom I stole it. So. <laughs> So, but that's true. I'm not different from you. I'm different like you. We're yeah, all different. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, you know, that's how it all started. So I started off as a barista and, and uh, now when I look back, that was perhaps one of the best ways I could have um, uh, gotten into the workforce. I'll tell you why, because coffee shops in the U.S. are places where a lot of business meetings take place. And so it was, it gave me a fantastic opportunity to people watch 
because I, I, the other thing also is that in hindsight, not being able to work the first almost two years was actually a blessing in disguise because that allowed me to settle down on a personal level. So I had, you know, I made some good friends. I had people that uh, I met uh, regularly. I was part of this uh, church-based um, international ministry called Moving On After Moving In. And that was like- Oh, a, interesting. Yeah, I, you know, I, <laughs> I found this little print ad in the paper and I called them. And I, I still remember telling them, I said, hey, I've just moved here. I'm originally from India and um, I am Hindu and I don't drive. Can I still join? <laughs> That's like, how do you make them. that happen? <laughs> they, they said, of course. And, uh, you know, so they didn't care that I was, uh, I was not Christian, although they were a faith-based group and they welcomed me and talk about uh, inclusive exactly exactly and before i knew it they had set up for someone to drive uh, drive me to give me a lift to and from Aww. and that that was the group that i'm still in touch with and they are some of my best and earliest friends from that i made here in the us and they're all from different age groups uh in fact the one that i'm closest to is a couple of years older than my mom and she's like my mom here in the US she's, and she has a daughter who's just who's just a couple of years younger than me and that is you know, so nice it, yeah and you know and she's seen me uh, uh, and and my husband and our entire family right from the beginning right from day one that we landed here you know have you ever heard of Geert doctor he's a PhD Geert Hofstede yes I use yeah. his model Yep. Yes, the cultural dimensions. Yeah. Yes, yes. You are living an example of how the world, the greater part of the world is and should be. Um, too often in the Western world, we are siloed and individualistic. Yes. As yes. We see a lot of that in this country today, especially. But um, I love these examples of collectivism and how yep. we are familial, even if we're not uh you know blood relatives so uh, that Absolutely. is so beautiful we have so much to talk about <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh um i i i want to just keep the show moving on but i also yeah. want to make sure that you and i keep in touch i have people i want you to meet and you know you're fascinating to me um well let Thank me ask you. you this you've told yeah. us a million surprising things about you <laughs> um but this is the part of the show where I would ask a surprising fact about you that maybe that that group that you're friends with doesn't even know. Uh, hmm. Okay, that's a hard one. <laughs> well, I, I think they know this, but you know, I I'm I'm I've always been a vegetarian, so I've never ever even tasted any kind of meat ever. Uh, yeah. Well, probably you're very healthy. Uh, I don't know. I, I eat enough of vegetarian junk food and fried snacks. I compensate. <laughs> well, tell me this, because this is something that I, I think I know the answer, but I don't want to assume. Um, where do you get your protein? Uh, lentils. And, and there's all kinds of beans. And, I love um, lentils. Yes. And I, and I uh, after, as an adult, I've, I've uh, started including tofu in my diet. 
but other than that uh, it's it's all kinds of vegetables and there's a lot of grains uh, and lentils that you can get your protein from i love couscous i love yes. um, grains basmati rice i love uh, i will say this tofu let's talk about tofu folks so if you don't know tofu, try it because it takes on the flavor of whatever you're cooking with. So it's not like it has a taste all its own. Uh, it just provides you a big boost of protein and the taste. Uh, if you like the texture, then go for it because the taste is whatever you're cooking it with. So um, that's right. And, you know, uh, since you said that, it's very similar to the Indian cottage cheese, which is called paneer, uh, which is North Indian. It's not. I've never had that. Ah, so it's 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 um, from milk and that was the other thing when i first came here and i saw cottage cheese and i bought it <laughs> once it was in a tub and i'm like what is this it looks like curds what is this <laughs> i was expecting this thing that looks like tofu <laughs> no that's so funny and and you bring that up every day i eat blackberries or blueberries with cottage cheese <laughs> yeah i i developed that taste here I don't know. So I'm like, funny. this is not cottage cheese. So tofu is exact, but tofu is, of course, it's it's lactose-free, whereas paneer right. is made from milk. But it's the exact same thing and the same thing with paneer as well. So you grill it or you cook it and it takes the flavor of whatever you put in it. Yeah. I have to introduce you to my um, very good friend, Joy Monahan. She is an assistant general counsel at AbbVie Pharmaceuticals, but the most part of her life she spends... Um, she really lives her life through what we call the joyful life through cooking. And she oh. is, she's tiny. And look, the woman can do 150 push-ups in a sitting, like one. Oh. Yeah. Amazing. Her arms, I, I don't know. She could lift a car, but she's about <laughs> five feet, two inches tall. And she's um, a lawyer, went to Georgetown, went to LSU, go Tigers. That's where I went. And oh. she is smart, but the woman can mix you know different ingredients and come up with her own recipes and you know she makes some amazing dishes and she puts them on instagram and she has this huge following she also does the same thing with drinks so she's a mixologist ah. but her her food it just like you can just taste it through pictures it's really remarkable um i should introduce you because she would appreciate some of these unique um these unique uh, ingredients that you're speaking about. She, she tries new and different things and she likes to meet new people who give her new ideas of things to cook. Uh, she was recently featured in a cookbook that all the proceeds went to a charity. Um, but it's oh, so okay. funny because you would think she, she, you would think she doesn't eat at all because she's so tiny, but no, she, she, she cooks <laughs> like crazy and eats like crazy, but I guess she does those push-ups like crazy. <laughs> so... But I'll introduce you to uh, my tribe and, and um, I can't wait to have these following conversations. You're a very fascinating woman and I'm so glad um, to have had you on the show. And I, I look forward to continuing this, this new relationship. I know how to reach you, but if other people want to reach you, how do they do that? Uh, the best way is LinkedIn um, and, and my website, northstaratwork.com, all one word. Northstaratwork.com nice. uh, and, and LinkedIn. LinkedIn is my primary uh, platform or channel, if you will. Um, and I also have a presence on uh, Twitter and Facebook. I'm, I'm on Twitter, but let me tell you, my personal page, I'm scared of Twitter. I'm, 
um, it's getting better, I'll say, but um, Twitter is like, you know, extreme battle. <laughs> it's like, um, but yeah, I will definitely look for you on LinkedIn. And I think we're already connected actually. Yes, yes. All of that in the blog that I write about you. Um, I know that you yesterday sent me all of your assets. So we will create a beautiful blog and I'll share that on my website as well as on LinkedIn within a week and a half. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. All right. Well, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you, everybody, for listening in. Thank you again, Susan. Thank you so much. This is a wonderful opportunity. And oh, before I forget, uh, it's, it's still January. So I do want to uh, wish uh, your listeners a peaceful uh, 2021. Oh, I think that will be easy to achieve. It's almost like the bar is so low. <laughs> you know. It's, uh, you know, yeah. Well, the first six days into 2021, I was questioning that. But um, yeah, I agree. Thank you. Happy New Year. May we all enjoy peace of mind and actual peace in the world um, for some sustained period of time. Yes. Thank you for being here. Um, have a good day, everyone. Bye-bye.